0: Good morning, everybody. It is good to be with you today as we take just a few minutes to get into God's Word, even though we cannot gather together in person because of COVID. Michelle is uh, continuing to improve, still a little tired, but doing much better. Our quarantine time is up. It was 10 days and that uh, is up today. So uh, probably in the next few days, you'll finally get to uh, see us out and about a little bit. We'll get to escape the house for a while, but uh, uh, we are doing well lord willing we will resume services at church next sunday september the 5th now i know that covid is still uh still you know rough in a lot of places but uh, if you feel comfortable coming uh, i would encourage you to come if you don't feel comfortable then uh, no worries you do what you feel like you need to do we will try to ease back into it and continue to meet if there is another outbreak in the church or or, or more cases in our church uh, begin to pop out we may uh, kind of take take a break again, but hopefully uh, we'll be okay. So uh, do whatever you feel like you need to do for your own health. I'm not uh, trying to make you feel bad for not coming or or trying to encourage you to come if you don't want to come or try to deter you from coming if you do. Uh, you do what you feel like is uh, the right thing for you to do, but uh, Lord willing, we'll meet back. That could change, but if it does, I'll let you know, but we're going to shoot for uh, September the 5th. Also, if you happen to talk to or see anybody that usually comes to our inspiration, which would normally be tonight, let them know that no inspiration this month because of uh, COVID and just trying to take a break for a couple of weeks. But I think everybody in the church and, and, and our family that had COVID uh, is, is better and uh, getting better, getting their strength back. And so we praise the Lord for that and just pray that uh, everybody would stay safe as we move forward. With that said, we are going to be in Psalm 60 this morning. Psalm 60. We have covered Psalm 1 through 59 over the last few years. We hit these psalms from time to time and uh, just kind of taking a break from our normal mini-series that we had just started before we took this little COVID break. We had started looking at a series, seven scriptures every Christian uh should know uh we're gonna take a break from that till we get back to in-person services but this week we're gonna look at psalm 60 if you want to turn there with me today psalm chapter 60 let's pray and then we will jump in father god we come to you and i thank you for the freedom to share your word and i pray that you would just bless your word dear lord i pray that you would just just speak through me and just god help me I'm, i'm not capable and able uh, and worthy to, to share your word, but God, you called me to do it, and I pray that you would just help me to do it in a way that brings glory to you, and so I pray that in these next few minutes, you help us to grow in your word, and let it be a good word for us, and I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 60, there's, there's a little superscription here before this psalm, as we see in many of the psalms, and, and some of these superscriptions are helpful, and they, they help us to see what's going on around the time that the writer is writing. Now, this is a psalm of David, and it says in the superscription, it is uh, at the very beginning here, for the choir director, according to the lily of testimony, a Davidic mictum for teaching, when he fought with Aram Naharim and Aram Zobah, and Joab returned and struck Edom in the valley of salt, killing 12,000. Now, we see this, uh, this story of what this is likely uh, referring to found in 2 Samuel chapter 8, and I believe 1 Chronicles chapter 19. I may not be correct on that chapter, but in around that area, we see uh, David is, is the king of Israel leading the Israelites against all of these enemies that they are finally overtaking. Now Saul had been the king of Israel for some time but because of his disobedience he was not a good leader. He did not lead the people of Israel in the way that they should and as a result of that Israel was not flourishing in the way that God would have desired for them to flourish. He, he, he wasn't able to bless them in the way that he wanted to bless them. This is not so different from what we saw in the book of Judges when God would send judges to the people, and the judges would be okay in some instances and not so good in other instances, and there would be times where God's people would seek him and call out to him and turn from their evil, and God would deliver them, and boy, then the people would just do what was evil, and they'd find themselves at the hands of their enemies again, and this cycle had really gone through the time of judges and even into the time of King Saul, but now David was onto the scene, and And he was a man who uh, was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who uh, was obedient to the Lord. Not that David did not have sin struggles, he did. But when we look at David's life as a whole, we see that David was was an obedient, uh, repentant servant of the Lord and king of Israel and far better king of Israel than Saul was. And in this instance, David is, fighting against a lot of these enemies that had really been enemies of Israel for a long time. And we see this this event explained to us in scripture where David and the Israelites are conquering, they're overcoming these enemies, they are slaying these enemies. And so that's the story that's being referenced here in the superscription of this psalm. But with that in mind, that Israel is victorious and David is being a good king, the first words of this psalm may not really make sense to us. In Psalm 60, verse 1, it says, God, you have rejected us. You have broken out against us. You have been angry. Restore us. You have shaken the land and split it open. Heal its fissures for its shudders. You have made your people suffer hardship. You have given us wine to drink that made us stagger." Now, this is an interesting thing to write. If this Psalm is written in a time of victory, at a time when God is delivering people, what are we to make of the beginning of this? Well, it's possible that David is reflecting on the time that Israel had come out of. Israel had come out of a time where things were difficult and had been difficult for a long time. Now, this was not God's fault. This was nothing of of God that caused these troubles for Israel it was because Israel had abandoned God. And, and it says in verse 1, God, you have rejected us. Now, that's a scary feeling to think that, that, that you have been rejected by God, because apart from God, there is no victory. Apart from God, there is no hope. And David recognizes this, and he is probably reflecting on Israel's past up to this point. God We have been without you because we have been disobedient to you, but God, now we are seeking you, we are trusting you, we are calling out to you. Restore us as we are up against these enemies that that we are up against. Times have been hard for us, but God, we want to return to you so that times can be better. And then he begins to kind of shift focus here in verse 4. He says, you have given a signal flag to those who fear you. So that they can flee before the archers, Selah. So here we see this glimmer of hope that, that David references. Yes, God uh, uh, abandoned them in a sense at times because they were disobedient to him and abandoned him. But David says, You've set a, a banner, you've sent a signal flag, something that we can see, something that we can want, run to, something that we can know that there is still hope. Now, when I think about a signal flag or, or a flag of hope waving in the sky, uh, I think about maybe here in the United States, the Star Spangled Banner. Uh, the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof to the night uh, that our flag was still there as the as the battle was raging on and the bombs would explode and the sky would light up. Every time the sky would light up, uh, the flag could be seen, the American flag could be seen uh, with, its, with its broad stripes and its, and its bright stars. And, and as long as, as a flag is standing, you know that the enemy has not overtaken. Now, in war times, you got your camp, you got your base, you got your city. But when the enemy takes over a camp or a base or a city, they take down your flag and they put their flag up. So as long as you see your flag standing, you know there's still hope. You know that the enemy has not completely come in and 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 overtaken everything. And that's what I think of when I think of this this passage here in verse four, where David says, You you gave us a signal flag. God is it was waving for his people, come to me. There there's hope that people can look up and see that there is hope. And there were some who feared God, and there were some who were seeking God, and they saw that hope in God. And that 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 signal flag is still there for us today. Now, when we look to God for hope, we're not really looking for that flag in the distance, but we do look in the distance, past our sin, past our struggle. If we feel that we have been abandoned by God and rejected by God, it is likely because of sin in our life that that is the case. And, and, and we try to look past all that sin and all that burden and all the haze and and in the distance we see, standing on a hill, we see a signal of hope. But it's it's not a flag, it's the cross of Jesus Christ. We look to the cross on the hill and we know that because Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross and died for the forgiveness of our sins, and we know because we see past the cross to a tomb that is empty because Jesus has been risen, we know that in the midst of our struggles, as bad off as we may be, that there is hope that God is calling us to come to him. All who fear him, all who seek to him, look to Jesus Christ and the hope that we have. And that's what I think of when I think of David's words here when he says, that God sent a signal flag for his people. Verse five, save me with your right hand and answer me so that those you love may be rescued. Now, here David is calling out to God. God, there are some who love you. And so God, for those who love you, come to them and rescue them. Now, the same God that rescued David and the faithful of Israel in this passage is the same God that we serve today today. When we seek God and we call out to him, he is our rescuer. God loves us and we should love God. And David says, look, may those that you love be rescued. And so God is is ready to rescue us. And usually the only reason we aren't rescued, well, I would say always the only reason we aren't rescued is because we don't reach out to God and call out to God. God loves us, he's there to rescue us, and he's there to rescue you today if you will call out to him. Verse six, God has spoken in his sanctuary. I will triumph, I will divide up Shechem, I will apportion the valley of Sukkot. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, and Ephraim is my helmet, Judah is my scepter. Moab is my washbasin, I will throw my sandal at Edom. I shout in triumph over Philistia. Now, when God speaks here, when God has spoken in his sanctuary, it is a, it is a good message that God has brought uh, to the people that David is reflecting on here. That God will triumph. He will divide Shechem, uh, portion the valley of Sukkoth. These are enemies, places of, of, of the enemies of Israel, and God is going to overcome them. And so he talks about God coming against the enemies, but also kind of in the middle of this, Gilead Manasseh Ephraim Judah these are all God's people that they are gods that this is an encouraging message okay I'm coming against the lands who have come against you and who have come against me God says but I am with you I am with the tribes of Israel you are my people and then he continues on uh, at the end of this little passage here and he says Moab my wash basin nothing more than a wash tub for the dirty is what the enemies of Israel are to God I will throw my sandal at Edom, I shout in triumph over Philistia. So here we have kind of some bookends of these enemies of Israel that God says, I'm going to come against the enemies. You're going to be mine. I'm with you. You are my people. And I'm going to come against the rest of your enemies too. And so for a long time, Israel's enemies had gotten the better of them on many occasions. But here, David is being a faithful leader and calling out to God and saying, God, for a long time you, you you had abandoned us. You had rejected us. But God, I'm calling you to come back. And God says, I'm coming back. I'm going to destroy the enemies. I'm going to restore you. So be ready. And that's a, a, a very reassuring thing we see here uh, for God in the nation of Israel and for God in our life too, that he will help us to overcome our enemies and our struggles and our sins if we seek him. And he'll do that at his time. We have to remember that too. There are not everything that that we seek the Lord for will happen just as we seek it. Sometimes He will answer our prayers quickly. Other struggles we stay in for a while, and we don't know why, but sometimes God allows us to go through things to draw us closer to Him, to draw our faith, uh, to build our faith in Him, and we need to keep seeking God. You may be saying, well, I am seeking Him. I am calling out to Him. My situation isn't getting better. Well, I know that those times are tough, but Whatever God is allowing you to go through, he's going to be with you. He's going to help you. And in the end, if you continue to trust in him, it's going to turn out for the good. Let's continue on in verse nine. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? God, haven't you rejected us? God, you do not march out with our armies. Give us aid against the foe, for our human help is worthless. Here, David is asking a question that he knows the answer to. He's already said at the beginning, God, you have rejected us. So God, if you don't go with us, how will we overcome our enemies? How will we defeat our enemies? We can't overcome our enemies. God, if you don't go with us, we are doomed. So God, we need you because David says, all human help is worthless. It's useless. There there is no help for any human. So, so David recognizes here that all the struggles of Israel's past, Israel's present, and Israel's future are all dependent on God. That apart from God, there is no deliverance. But with God, there is always deliverance. And then he closes here in verse 12 by saying, with God, we will perform valiantly. He will trample our foes. So David answers his own question here, in verse nine: Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Well, he answers his question: It is God. With God, we will perform valiantly, and the same is true for you and I. So, so what's what's the question that you're asking? Who will help me to overcome? this addiction? Who will help me to overcome this pain? Who will help me to overcome this fear? Who will help me to overcome this worry? Who will help me to overcome this anger? Who will help me to overcome all of the sin in my life? We may ask those questions, similar questions, something like those questions. Maybe you ask those same ones or maybe something different, but we all have those questions, those things in our life that are difficult, and we may, even utter those questions verbally, or we may play them back in our mind. Who will help us? Well, we need to look at David's answer here. Who will help you in your situation? Who will help me in my situation? It is the Lord who will help us in our situation. With God, we will perform valiantly. Whatever you're seeking is help for your situation. Whoever you're seeking for help of your situation There is no way that we will be delivered from our situation apart from God. Our hope is on the hill of Calvary at the cross of Jesus Christ. And so in the midst of all the heartache and all the trouble and all the sin that we may have committed and all the foolishness in our life or all the pain that we're going through, whatever it may be, we must remember that God will be with us when we seek Him. Maybe you don't see hope or having a hard try, time seeing hope. I want you to look to the cross of Jesus Christ today. I want you to see that there is hope there in the Savior who died so that you could be forgiven. I want you to know that that flag uh, of hope, that banner like David talked about in verse 4, is the very cross of Jesus Christ who promises us forgiveness and deliverance and comfort in our times of trouble. And it is with Him that that we will perform valiantly and with, with Jesus alone. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these good words, and I pray that you bless these words. I pray that we would seek you and that we would trust you in all that we do. God, maybe we can relate to what David's saying about feeling rejected and feeling abandoned. God, our sin does that to you. It keeps us separated from you. God, maybe there are some that has never trusted Jesus Christ. I pray that they would do so this morning. God, maybe there are some, they're yours, but they haven't been living like it. Maybe sin's got the best of them. I pray that they would repent and seek you. I pray that they would find hope in Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. And God, I pray that we would remember the truth of this passage, that anything in this world is worthless when it comes to helping us overcome sin and all the things we struggle with. That God, with you, we can perform valiantly. God, with you, we can overcome And I pray that everybody that hears these words today would be able to overcome whatever they are up against or may be up against in their life. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.